It's Growing in Greatness radio show with host Gwendolyn Singletary. We want to be your source for reliable, relevant, and informative strategies that disrupt the norm and to help ambitious achievers grow in greatness. Don't miss it. Mondays at 6 p.m. right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Achievers grow in greatness. Greatness, 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 greatness. Well, hello, hello, hello. Good Monday afternoon. You know how I feel about Mondays. The first work day is the day give us to go out and begin our week of being great, doing what we were set for to do, to change lives and pack people. This is a glorious day. So I love my Mondays because it's a thought, a beginning of something can be so great. You know, on Growing in Greatness, I have an opportunity to interview a lot of people. I try to make this show one with some type of content, some learning tools. I especially like to bring guests on who can give you their story and can talk the talk and walk the walk. I also try to give you encouragement as to where you need to go. And today, I'm excited that we'll be able to do all three with one guest, which is very exciting. We have with us today Mr. Terrence. Tyrone Mann, and you may know him better as Ty Mann. Uh, he is one of a kind. Not only is he an excellent businessman, but he's done his thing. He's been successful in a non-traditional business setting for African Americans, and he has done it with grace and style and integrity. And we know so many people in our, in our entertainment industry have been successful as minorities, but we're not always comfortable or appreciative of the style they've done it in and the integrity in which they've done it in. And this is one man I would love to say to all of you, if you're not familiar with his work, by the end of this broadcast, you will be familiar with his work. So welcome, Ty Man. Hey, hey, thank you. How's everybody? We're doing good. We're doing great. Great that you're here for us today and giving us this little time. Um, when I look at your bio, and I know a lot of people have probably hear, seen your work, may have not put the name with the face, but Time Man is the principal of Man and Mackey Productions. And if I read your bio, you were a military officer, retired, a major, so not just any officer, a major in the military, and you like to write, and you continue to write. And, you know, then in, in 2013, you wrote, start writing on um, the question of faith. But then by 2017, it was released. I mean, this stuff all sounds so easy that you, you know, well, you didn't pay your dues. You, you know, got into this thing really quickly. Tell us that story. I know it wasn't that easy. Tell us how that all happened. Uh, it definitely wasn't that easy. I wish it were. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, actually, uh, you know, believe it or not, um, I, I, I think I wrote, a question of faith the first time, I want to say it was 2006, to be honest okay. with you. I wrote okay. that script. Mm-hmm. And I tucked it away. I just, after I wrote it, I just tucked it away like I usually do with, with scripts I write. At least back then I was. And um, I was transferring files. I was transferring files from uh, into a new computer. And I saw that script, and I said, wow, I hadn't seen this one in a long time. And I pulled it up, and I started reading it. And, of course, it was outdated because it was, you know, it was 10 years old by this, by, at this point or close mm-hmm. to that. And, mm-hmm. and so I started immediately just started writing and updating it. 
and uh, and, and, and by this point, I had learned how to write so much better uh, from seven or eight years before. And mm-hmm. uh, I did that. I, I wrote it, and uh, I updated it, and I decided I would send it out to a couple of um, uh, uh, festivals just to see if I can get some notes back on it. Because mm-hmm. one thing about, about writing festivals are uh, – they give you some great notes. The judges will give you some great notes uh, that, that gives you a chance to go back and, and tighten up your work. So I said, well, let me send it out to a couple of festivals, get some notes. <clears throat> well, I, you know, as God would have it, I ended up winning one of those festivals. Okay, all right. And a couple of days later, I get a phone call from a producer that said, hey, we saw that you won this contest, and we're collecting scripts. Uh, winning scripts, and if you'd like to send us yours, we'd take a look at it. And they told me they they already had the money. They told me uh, they were going to make a decision in about two weeks. And wow. I, you know, I said, sure, I, why not? So I sent exactly. my script over to them that night. And the next day, that same producer called and said, okay, forget everything we just told you yesterday. We're making this movie. We need to enter into negotiations right now. Oh, wow. And that's how that's The Question of Faith came to be. And then the next year it was, you know, out in theaters. Wow. That <laughs> so is it amazing. Wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't the hardest route to take, but it certainly wasn't the easiest one either. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and it's one thing I'm going to say about that um, that's still remarkable, and, and our God is a good God. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about the fact that you rewrote it, that you had learned how to become a better writer. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that yeah. because so many times people in from the art perspective, the creative perspective, uh, get a little frustrated. This is a business too, guys. So don't think I'm going off. We're still doing we're doing the business of business right, right here. Right, right, um right. what how you hone your craft? What made you go back? How you learn what you do, how'd you feel about um making those adjustments to your your your, your baby? Because once you write these things or you do it, that's your baby then and you write that easy to adjust what you yeah. written, right? <clears throat> Yeah, well, you know, I try to, I try to, when I go out, when I've been asked to do seminars or go do, um, you know, speeches in, on college classes and college campuses or whatever, I always like to start off um, with a question. And I always ask people, how many of you in the room right now want to be screenplay writers? And, uh, you know, they all raise their hand because that's what they're there for. The lectures about writing a screenplay or, the seminars mm-hmm. on writing the screenplay. So, mm-hmm. you know, every last one of them will raise their hand. And then I'll look at each one of them and I'll say to them, then all of you here are destined to fail in this career field. And, of course, their eyes get big. And then I'll go on to explain to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll go on to explain to them and i tell them, I said, anyone can write a screenplay. All you have to do is open up a computer whether you have a software that writes screenplay or whether you just write in a Word document, all you have to do is say fade in at the beginning, and if you go 90 pages, 100 pages later, you write the end, well, you've just written your first screenplay. But what you may not have is a story. You see, and I tell them storytellers have careers in this field. So what I had to do in my as I was on my journey of learning how to write, 
was first I learned how to write a screenplay. That's what we all do, and we think, oh, we have something here. I've written mm-hmm. my first screenplay. But that may not be a story. And mm-hmm. then I had to learn how to tell a story on paper. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I like to end it with people by telling them that if you are a screenplay writer, then you will always be a hobbyist in this career field. Mm-hmm. But if you are a storyteller, you will have a career because storytellers sell scripts. Hmm. And and that's what I always try to tell people is the business part is not in writing the screenplay. That's that's the that's the journeyman's part and that's the hobbyist part. Uh, the business part is in learning how to tell a story on paper. Wow! Because once you do that, people will be interested in what you're writing. Because only storytellers sell scripts in this this industry. If you wow. if you're not telling a story. No one's interested in what you're doing. The, the story that's compelling, people can relate to, um, learn right. something from, right. those things that drive you, make you want to come back if you're doing a, a, to, to a sequel absolutely. or whatever, because there's still more to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen bad movies uh, on, on, on TV, on the screen. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. uh, you can go back and go, okay, that wasn't you – you, you never hear someone walk out of the theater and say, that was a bad screenplay, but you're here and walk out and go, that was a bad story. It didn't make sense. Yeah. You see, it because a, it's a, the it story. It didn't flow properly. It wasn't connecting. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. those things. Yeah. It's the story. I, so I tell people, if you're going to be in this business, learn how to tell the story. And that's what I did. I just, I worked, 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 worked until I one day finally broke the code and realized I had told a story on paper. A story that's compelling. It's compelling to do so. And so when we talk about that aspect, now, now that now that to me brings me to another point that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Entertainment. Mm-hmm. The world of entertainment today is um, fast, furious, it's controversial, it's um, raw, uh, it's sex, um, it's, it's sometimes vulgar. Um, that's what we see a lot of in entertainment today. Okay, um, we do see a lot of that in from historical, you know, some of the black movies um, from previous times were more in that genre of drugs and sex and that sort of thing and all of that. And I'm not putting that down. We're not, not going that way. Yeah. And so yeah. we see that it oftentimes for you to be successful in this arena in these days, you got to bring that blood and gut and sex and stuff to to, to peace. So for a man like yourself to say, I'm going to tell my story from my point of view and purposely put out there, you know, that this is faith-based and it is family-friendly, that had Mm -hmm. to be a decision, a conscious decision for you to make and then how to come to that and stick with it. Because sometimes you start and say, well, hey, I'm not making any money in this. Tell me about that that journey to stake your claim and say, this is my brand and this is what we do, where there could have been ways you could probably make more money quicker, faster, if you would follow the recipe out there, if you will. Yeah, well, that decision was made many, many years ago. Uh, my father uh, was a pastor, mm-hmm. and he pastored churches for many, many years. And, you know, when I was a kid, when I was – probably still single digits as a kid, uh, I was always intrigued about the creative world. I would 
write my own stories in, in comic books. I would write stories at such a young age. Wow. That, you know, I, I never stopped trying to learn this craft. Even when I was in the military, I was mm-hmm. still reading books on how to write. And my father and I, when he was alive, we would talk about writing movies for Christians or writing movies for people who needed to to maybe find a different way to get to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember him telling me, he, you know, we talked about this and I taught him all kind of movies I think I could write. And he told me one day, he said, you know, you, if you follow through with this and you do this, you will reach more people than I will ever reach in my church. And yeah. he told me, he says, because I can only go so far. I can only drive or fly so far. And then when I'm in my own church, I have walls. He says, so right. I have these boundaries and these walls that I can't get beyond for whatever reason, whether it's finances or health or whatever the case may be. He said, but your movies will not have walls and they will not have boundaries. They'll be able to go everywhere. That's impressive. And I, yeah, and I thought about that later in life, um, and I said, you know, he was right. Let's mm-hmm. um, let's write these movies. And but I didn't just want to write movies in this genre that were all above the line. Everything's great. Everyone's fine and happy, happy, happy. I decided to take the route of taking a real life problem or real life situations. And, and and write my stories around that and and infuse messages uh from that's in the Bible that that show you, hey, this is if you rely on your faith, we can you know, you can get through these things and mm-hmm. so I took a different route, even though they are faith based movies. Uh my movies are based on traumatic events that mm-hmm. happen in your life or and that happens in somebody's life out there. I've had you know, on all my movies, I've had people uh, send me uh, social media stuff saying, hey, I saw this movie, this was me, I saw this movie, this was my friend, I saw this movie, this was my father, my sister. So I know they touch people in a real way. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest um, thrill of all of it. We're going to take a break because I want to come back and talk some more about that particular piece that's of interest to me. I'm a woman of faith. And go into how you told your story, My Brother's Keeper, how that story was told from a personal perspective. You told it, you told it so brilliantly. So let's take a break right now. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you. Your skin isn't just skin. It's a beautiful reflection of every single thing you've been through in life. Which is why Dove Body Wash removes your skin's ceramides and strengthens it against dryness. For instantly softer, smoother skin, you can lovingly embrace. Renew the love for your skin with Dove Body Wash. 
Well, we're back. We're back. We're back with um, um, Ty Mann, who is a principal owner in um, Mann Mackey Productions. Um, guys, I know you may have some questions from him. Uh, feel free to call and ask them, 515-602-9767. Once again, 515-602-9767. Um, please uh, call in. He's willing to answer your questions. I know I have some artists out there, some people who have all this creativity, ability, and want to be able to uh, get the best out of what they have given God has given them, and I think this is the man you want to talk with. So, um, to continue our conversation about um, you're working with the first faith-based perspective and family-centered items. Uh, we talk about I'm coming up to the point of my brother's keeper. Uh, tell me about that story and how what inspired you about that because that was a real life story for you. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that um, that story is about my father when he came home from uh, Vietnam. And when when our dad came home from Vietnam, uh, 72, 73, I was you know, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember a lot of that life then, how it went from happy and elated, he was home to, uh, you know, fearful, to angry, to sad. I mean, we went through over a a three-year period, I would say. We just went through so much because we Mm -hmm. saw him change. Mm -hmm. And, of course, back then we knew nothing about PTSD. We knew Mm -hmm. nothing about that. The term back then was shell shock. Right. And, uh, but, you know, he just, he just became a guy that, that, no one in our family wanted to be around anymore. And it it all came to a head one night. And um, after that event, uh, you know, my mother grabbed us and, and, and took us out of the house, took us to our grandmother's. A few days later, he came there, and my grandmother was the one that suggested that they go – to the church and get counseling because up at that point they didn't go to church and none of us really went to church except for the traditional Easter's and Christmas and that type of thing. Right. Uh, well, my father didn't want to lose the family, so he agreed and he and my mother started going to um, the pastor at the church for counseling and that's all they could afford then at that time because we were a, we were a poor West Virginia coal mining family. You know, so like most of us could afford <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't afford professional counseling and and you know, and I'm glad they they chose that path because going to uh that counseling with that pastor led my father to becoming a deacon, to becoming a minister and later becoming mm-hmm. a pastor and pastoring his own churches. So um he later got professional counseling for sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. What that did, though, for our family and for everybody in our family, it showed us just what the power of faith in God could do. If, if you if you really believe that God could heal you and, and maintain the stability called this family that you wanted in your life, then you had to give yourself to him. And we watched mm-hmm. our parents do that. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. when I saw that as a kid, I was like, that's what I want to do. Okay. If if that's what happens with my family, my mom and dad, I want to live in. I want to walk in that path. I want to live in that life. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that's what happened with all our 
uh, all my siblings because I thank mm-hmm. God to this day, you know, that there are five of us. We're, we're family people. We've never been in jail and no drugs, none of that stuff, because we all made conscious decisions at a very young age that this is a lifestyle we want to live. We want to believe mm-hmm. in faith. Mm-hmm. And we want to live right by people. And, and that just led me to finally, it took a while, but that led me to a point where one day I I was on the I was actually on the set of a question of faith, and it was my first time I met T C Stallings. He was there that day filming his part, and I okay. you know, I seen him in War Room, and I was mm-hmm. sitting there watching him that day, and I'm thinking, man, this guy could play my dad. He's about the right size, the right complexion, mm-hmm. the right build mm-hmm. for my dad back then. Mm-hmm. And then I walked up to him one day. We were standing at the crafty table, and I started telling him about the project and. He said, well, yeah, if you write it and send it to me, I'll, I'll take a look at it. And if you ever get a chance to interview him, because he loves telling his story. It's funnier when he tells it. He okay. left from that table that day saying, yeah, all right, I, we get this all the time. No, this guy's just, he's not going to write anything. But then about three, two, three weeks later, when I sent him the first draft, he, he was blown away. It's like he called me and said, I honestly didn't think I'd hear from you again. We get wow. this kind of stuff all the time, and the fact that you've written it this quick, mm-hmm. I'm interested. And I cleaned it up, and he read it the second time and said, I want to play this part, and that's how it all got started. Yeah, that gave me the courage to say, okay, I can write this story. Yeah. I can get this story out there to people, and, and, and there we are today. Well, before we go into kind of more of the, the logistical business, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this story because it is your story, and, and it's great that you are a personal face and um, how you guys were feeling good about the fact that your parents were affected by uh, going to church and getting their family back together. But was there any shame or embarrassment, or were there points when you were doing this writing that reflected back on some other negative things? I know it all couldn't have been easy. There were some hard times if your mother pulled you guys out the house. Um, so obviously some negative, negative atmosphere things going on. Is there any, how hard was it to relive that sort of stuff? And was there any shame or embarrassment or whatever in that process? Because you pulling, you pulled out, I've seen the movie, you pulled out a lot of things by yourself to do yeah, that. Yeah, I left a lot of stuff out, of course. Uh, but, you know, the outbursts that you see in the movie were outbursts that we saw as kids. And no, mm-hmm. I, there wasn't any shame. I mean, we lived it, so there was... right. Yeah. We lived it, and it was true and real, so there was no mm-hmm. reason to be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people around us back in that day, they knew what was going on, neighbors and friends. So, you know, it wasn't anything to be ashamed of. My mom was cool. Of course not. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, 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 the hardest part for me, and there were a couple times uh, when we were filming it, that I actually had to get up and just walk away. Yeah, uh, because I I felt myself being that 11, 12, 13-year-old little boy again because mm-hmm. TC mm-hmm. was doing such a great job, mm-hmm. and he did an incredible job in this role that it took me back uh, mm-hmm. to being that little boy watching You're my dad it. doing that. You're living thing. it, yeah. And I would just sometimes get up and walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had to, you know, yeah, I had to regroup a little bit. Regroup, yeah. Now, and there was yeah. no anger or anything like that. It was just like, okay, mm-hmm. that was that was so much like the way it really happened. 
I just mm-hmm. need to walk away for a minute. <laughs> that's great. I mean, uh, I mean, I think that's that's nah, that's cathartic. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you know that you know clearly yeah. your parents were the kind of people that if there was, you, they would have dealt with that at the time. I mean, clearly they were wonderful people yeah. and, and brought up families that you know we all aspire to be. Yeah. So, um, that was wonderful. But it, that's part of the art, the artist process. You're telling your story. You have to relive it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. my dad and I talked about me writing this story. Before he passed away, he he knew that oh, I was going to eventually one day tell this. That story. was my next question. Did he get a chance to see it? But he didn't. No, no, my uh, no. Our, our father passed away 15 years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, so okay. he okay. he never yeah you know, he he read some of my early stories, mm-hmm. but he was never around sadly to uh, to see anything come to the theaters or or mm-hmm. where they are now. I, but I know he's proud. He would. He, I know uh, it. he was a big supporter and a big fan of mine, and I know he's just proud as he can be up there right now. I'm sure. I am sure. Well, tell us a little bit about the business of the business now, like the, the logistics, the contracts. What should my listeners who are thinking about um, this as uh, a, a, a possibility for them, um, looking at the writing possibility, the production. There's a business to be taken care of. So many times we've heard stories yeah. of artists yeah. that have been taken by not having the right kind of leader, uh, legal representation, signing things they haven't really understood. Right. Tell me about some of that business stuff and give these people a couple points on if you're really serious about any happening with this, whether it be, you know, writing and production or what do they need to know about the business of the business? <clears throat> Yeah, so let's let me spend a couple minutes on the writing piece. Uh, okay. Uh, so if you're if you're writing again, stop reading about how to write a screenplay and start reading about how to write a story. Cause, because okay. every screenplay there's a footprint. You got to do certain. You got to do this by this page, that by that page. You need to learn that footprint. Uh, <clears throat> So that's the part about writing is really focused on telling a story, uh, you know, bringing your characters to life, working them through the different archetypes and all these other things that you need to know about. That's a big piece right there. Uh, from the production side, and you know, understand the phases of production because, one, let's just say, one, if you can't hire yourself a smart producer, let's start there. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you'll, you'll save yourself so much money if you hire yourself a smart producer. <clears throat> but then understand the different phases of production. Understand what the development phase in a, in a production means. Understand that development is not pre-production. Understand that there's a principal production phase, a post-production phase, and <clears throat> a deliverable, deliverable phase. You you have to understand how all these phases work together to get your picture done. Because what so many young people do in this career field when they first get started, they'll make a movie. Let's say they spend three hundred thousand dollars to make that movie, for example, and then they 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 edit it all up themselves and say, "There it is. I I've, I've made my movie. I edited myself, and now I'm going to get distribution." And then let's say somebody like Mans Mac can come along and go, "You know what?" We like this. I think we can distribute this. Well, we we get one of the networks or someone to say, all right, yep, we want to take this movie. Well, they're going to send you a small Bible of specifications that you have to meet in order to get that movie delivered to them. Mm-hmm. And then, but you've already spent your 300000 
and we see this a lot. But to get that work done to meet their delivery specs, maybe another thirty, forty thousand dollars, fifteen, twenty thousand, mm-hmm. somewhere in. There. But now the filmmakers sitting there go, "Well, I don't have that money," because mm-hmm. they didn't understand this business of how many phases there are and what these phases are. So I always tell people when you're budgeting your movie, don't just say I have three hundred thousand dollars to make my movie. Break out how much money you have in the development phase. That's how much money I'm going to spend there. Break out how much money you're going to spend in pre-production. That's how much of that three hundred I'm going to spend here. So on and so on, all the way to deliverables. How much money am I going to spend for deliverables? Because deliverables will literally kill a project. Because you got to pay the money to get everything in the right specifications to deliver to whoever that end distributor is going to be, if it's a BET, Aspire, Universal, whoever. And then you have to pay for E&O insurance, errors and omissions insurance, to make sure that somebody don't come running up after they see a movie and go, hey, he made that movie about me. That's about me, you see. Wow. And that's money. And that money will, you know, and they'll, filmmakers, young filmmakers will spend all their money and making the movie and thinking that, okay, I, I edited it myself, I saved money, that yes, you did. But what you're still going to have to do is get it ready for deliver, to be delivered to that distributor. And you're still going to have to pay that E&O insurance. And mm-hmm. that stuff could add up between fifteen to forty to $60,000, depending on the size of your movie. Wow. And if you just spend three or four, then you really, you know, in a bad shape. Yeah, you may have a movie that a distributor is sitting there going, man, we really want this movie, but you need $60,000, you need $30,000 to finish it and send it to us. And you, mm-hmm. the filmmaker's like, well, I don't have that. And a lot mm-hmm. of films die on the shelf like that, and that's too bad. That is bad. So understand this business. Understand these different phases of production. And, mm-hmm. and in terms of con- contracts, So many people we talk to will not spend $200 to get a lawyer to look at a contract. It will be the best $200 you ever spend. That's right. It really will because uh, the the, the business is the business, and if if a distributor can get another penny over on his or her side of the the ledger, that's what they're going to do. But mm-hmm. you need to make mm-hmm. sure that you have a lawyer to look at that and go, okay, this is right, but this doesn't sound right. You could probably negotiate that a little better for you. Because, mm-hmm. look, the distributors aren't trying to outright steal from you. Uh, they need your content. But they will try to get as many pennies on their side of the ledger as they can because they're a business also. They're, they're like you. Exactly. You want, exactly. <laughs> you want exactly. Yeah, out of that dollar, you want as many pennies as you can get on your side. They want as mm-hmm. many pennies as they can get on their side. So I always mm-hmm. tell people, spend the $200 and have a lawyer look at your contract. It will be well worth it. Well worth it. I agree. Um, once again, guys, it's 515-602-9767. You want to call and ask uh, Ty any questions, 515-602-9767. I agree with you wholeheartedly because all the seminars and workshops I do about business, I always tell them you're going to pay now, pay later. So you need to have that yep. lawyer and you, and you need to have you some um, accountant to help you with, you know, how you set your books up, your company up, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because it's, if you first start off, you're like, I don't got that kind of money, but you do better have that kind of money um, to make sure yeah. that you're going to be legitimate yeah. on the other end. 
Yeah, that's desperate. Now, Absolutely. one thing I like about your Absolutely. company here, you talk about the fact that, you know, people say um, we're a production company, but you also have your media content company. And I understand from my dealings with the, in the, in the industry, my devil's there, you know, in banking, people say cash is king. But in the production world, it's mm-hmm. content is king. Content is king. Content is king because right right now there's so many different outlets. Talk a little bit more about how you got there and you made that decision quickly that, you know, we're going to be not just a studio, but we're going to have a content that we can sell and distribute, be a distributor. Talk about that a little bit because I think that's something that we don't think about in the industry as an opportunity. Yeah, well, that was part of our business strategy from the very beginning was, uh, you know, we – we we laid out this strategy, this plan, and this vision, and then we we started taking steps to achieve it. And mm-hmm. we 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 knew that first, all right, let's we're going to produce a couple movies of our, ourselves, movies that mm-hmm. I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first phase, and then then mm-hmm. we was going to go into a phase where we would produce movies that someone else wrote and mm-hmm. had funds for. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, for example, Redeemed is a good point there. And mm-hmm. uh, Redeemed is a movie that uh, a young lady named Jackie Moore, God rest her soul, but we just sadly just lost Jackie a couple weeks ago. But a brilliant lost. writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackie was a brilliant writer. She had written these books. And then another young lady named Vicki Adams um, had purchased, had optioned the rights to one of her books. And Vicky got with another young lady, and they wrote the script, and they had the money, and they sent it over to me. We looked at it, made some changes to the script, some, a few minor changes to the script, and said, okay, we're, we'll make this movie. So they hired us, and we brought everybody together, and we made the movie for them. Mm-hmm. So that was our next phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, our, our third phase in this whole process, which was – should have happened last year, mm-hmm. but because of COVID, we had to push Enough. it right a year. Right, uh, right. But as we, yeah, we, you know, as we scaled upward, uh, this phase is now we're moving into distribution. So I what like we it. did last year is instead of scaling and being in distribution, what we did last year is we used COVID because although people weren't in offices, they were still on cell phones all over the world. Yes, so they were. we just used that time to reach out talk to distributors, talk to content providers, um, talk to the networks, and uh, made agreements that positioned us now to deliver content to, to them. So, Excellent. You know, we, um, you know, we, we've got our agreements in place. So now we can take a film, and we just we we just had uh, a young lady send us her film yesterday. As a matter of fact, uh, signed her agreement, and we're getting ready to start shopping that. But right now we have access to over fifty, nearly sixty different distribution channels: HBO, Showtime, and Netflix, BET, Aspire, you name it. We have access wow. to, to put content into the. So now we're going to take. We're going to take pictures that people have made, mm-hmm. stories people have told, and mm-hmm. we, we've developed an, an, an internal criteria to judge them and mm-hmm. a rating system. And if they meet a certain rating scale, then we're going to shoot that out to all these content providers and see if one of them want to buy it. Wow. And, and, and then we'll just, we'll just become a distributor. And, and, 
And in doing that, we now also have the means that if, let's say, we talked earlier, a filmmaker says, well, I don't have the money to finish my film out. But we mm-hmm. have the means to, to do that now. So what we'll do is say, okay, look, we understand that your movie isn't quite finished, but we're, we're, we're going to still shop it to our different different distribution channels. And if a dis- distribution channel comes up on the horn and says, hey, we want this movie, get it finished, and we want this movie, then we negotiate the, the, the sell of the movie, the option mm-hmm. of the movie, and then mm-hmm. once that first payment comes, we'll take out the cost of finishing your movie. And then right. after that, your payments will be split per the contract. So we're trying to build in a way. We, we have resources now that are internal to us, that we can take movies and finish them and get them ready for distribution. Because there was no reason for us to set up a distribution without having that capability. Right. You see. Mm -hmm. So we now have the capability that if we really like this movie, then we can offer that to you. We can say, all right, we'll take it. And we have a buyer and it's going to, the buyer is going to give us this much, but it's going to cost you this much to get it finished, and we're taking that away from your first payment. Then after that, all your payments will be split. That's fair. That's more than fair. That is a great opportunity you're giving so many young and new um, writers to get their stuff shown and to get it out there because that's what a lot of times we need the help in hand, you know, um, to get that Mm -hmm. stuff done. And and, uh, I think that is admirable. And and I know it's a good business deal as well, but it's also admirable that you're taking that time and helping grooming people in that process. Listen, guys, we got a few more minutes on the air, 515 602 Nine seven six seven. If you want to ask mm-hmm. um, the man himself, uh, Ty Man, any questions on um, the industry, Ty, while we're sitting here waiting, as we have another call before we end the show, please um, give yep. us how people can reach you, your website, and how people can reach you on social media and that sort of thing. Yeah, they can go to Mans Mackey, M A C K I E. So that's Mans M A N N S. No apostrophe. My last name is spelled with an S. Mans. So it's Mans Mackey, and Mackey is spelled M-A-C-K-I-E, studios. So mansmackeystudios.com. They can find us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a contact page that they can go to. Uh, or if they have movies or something they're interested in, they can send them to info, I-N-F-O, at mansmackeystudios.com. They can reach us there. Uh, you can find us on uh, social media as Ta T-Y, Mans, M-A-N-N-S, and then Charles Mackey, my business partner. You can find him there on social media as well. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the easiest other way is you can Google either myself, my name, Ta Mans, or you can Google Charles Mackey, and it's going to point you somewhere to find one of us. One of us, Get yeah. in touch with either one of us. We'll make it happen because... Uh, you know, we worked hand-in-hand, day-to-day uh, mm-hmm. together in terms of uh, he along with uh, another gentleman named Thomas Dawson mm-hmm. and um, uh, Robert Bigelow. And we have a great team. Uh, just if I could add that real quick, because I don't want to leave him out. Uh, yes, please, uh, Bishop please. Mackey, he's, uh, he's, he's the second part of Man's Mackey. Uh, Thomas Dawson is an uh, uh, Emmy Award-winning producer, sound mix supervisor uh, that does all of our technical producing for us. He puts the crews together and puts the workflows together. Uh, we have Thomas Dawson, and uh, if anybody has ever heard of the group, the Commodores, Thomas Dawson has yeah. been the keyboardist and band leader 
for uh, the Commodores for the last 32, 33 years. He does all wow. our music for us. Um, he manages, supervises all our scores. And we, we're getting ready to announce Miss um, Vicki Adams, who I just talked about with her movie, Redeemed. Mm-hmm. She's going to be our um, senior director over our distribution department. So she's going to come on board and run that department. So we're excited about getting Vicky on board. Yeah, you got to get a little woman in the mix there somewhere, a little female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have to. We absolutely <laughs> have to. And we've been we we've been remiss on that, but not intentionally. Um, being, I mean, Thomas Dawson just kind of fell into our lap one day, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm really interested in doing music for movies." I'm like. Yeah, after I stopped, you know, my, my, my cheekbones was hurting from, like, smiling the fact that I was standing there talking to a <laughs> Commodore. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it's right. kind of like you were hypnotized. You just, you just kind of went, uh, yeah, sure, anything you want, Mr. Dawson. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so we're adding Vicky to the team, and we're excited about that. Excellent. Well, listen, anything else you want to tell us um, to look out for or be able to look for and that sort of thing? Because I am so happy that you were able to come on the show. But before we go out, let's give one more little last shout-out to whoever you want to shout-out to or any more information about your plans or anything that I neglected to get to on this, this interview. No, I think, I mean, I think you covered it all, and thank you for giving me a chance to talk. Uh, you know, again, uh, the biggest piece now is that if you have a movie out there, that mm-hmm. you have put together and you are looking for distribution, uh, reach out to us, info mm-hmm. at uh and we will take a look at your project, and, and, and hopefully we can get it sold. Because, look, people want content right now. We're getting Content is king. Content is king. Yeah, yeah, I mean, coming out of – you know, not a lot of content was made during COVID. So right now, right. networks are offering good money for content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're trying to, to help fill some of those voids. Right. And I go mean, out and watch Redeemed on BET Plus. And BET, uh, BET Plus has Redeemed on it. My Brother's Keeper is streaming. And uh, you can go to MBK Film. That's My Brother's Keeper, mbkfilm.com to find mm-hmm. where you can find and go see my brother's keeper. keeper. Yeah, you definitely need to see that movie. If you haven't, you haven't seen that movie, that's, that's something worthwhile for you to see with you and your family or whatever. It's, it's really um, compelling. Uh, um, I've seen it, and uh, it definitely is something I would recommend to anybody. Um, guys, this has been great. Um, you know we try to always bring you something that's going to be new and informative. I think we have delivered. Um, I'm, I'm happy with Mr. Mann. He takes his time out of his busy schedule to do this. And I really want to emphasize, guys, this content thing is huge. I've been seeing this happening with all the different outlets out there. That is how come you can go to four channels at one time and see four episodes of NCIS or NCIS Los Angeles. That's right. Or Law and Order because there's no content. Okay, so that tells you how bad yeah. it is. You can watch how many episodes of Andy Griffin. You know what I'm saying? These old shows, even people are trying to fill these 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 networks, um, uh, net, cable networks with shows. People want content. So, and then you can go and say, left all this reality stuff that's not even nothing but trash. So uh, let's think about those things. That's an opportunity for you. You have a company now that understands family, understands faith, understands um, the struggle to get in this building, in this business, and they're willing to help you out. So, you know, there's, there's always a way. So I want to thank you, Ty, 
for your gift to us, your time, your, your creativity of telling a story that you are sharing with us how to get that done. Your business par- partner, Bishop uh, Mackey, as well as the other folks who have this um, uh, supporting you in this effort. So thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it. And once again, guys, if you didn't get a chance to hear all of this, if you want to tell someone about it, we're on all the outlets for um, podcasts, iHeart. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of them. You know, then we listen to our show. We'll be back again next um, Monday at 6 o'clock. And you know my thing. Go out and be great. Thank you. Have a good one. It's Growing in Greatness radio show with host Gwendolyn Singletary. We want to be your source for reliable, relevant, and informative strategies that disrupt the norm and to help ambitious achievers grow in greatness. Don't miss it. Mondays at 6 p.m. right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Achievers grow in greatness. Greatness, 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 greatness.